Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, Rocky Top, let's rock. It is Friday afternoon. The Vols do not play for another 48 hours uh, on their way to Omaha, where I'm joined by someone who I believe is on the way to Omaha, uh, Ryan Shumpert. Ryan, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, yeah. I'm driving to Nashville right now, and then I fly out of Nashville tomorrow morning. Luckily, not making the drive all the way to Nebraska, but excited to be making the trip, and uh, it should be a cool experience. Um, how, how long of a drive is it? I don't even know. I think it's around 16 Ooh. hours. Ugh. I looked, I just looked from Nashville cause you know, I see I'm, that's where I'm from. So I knew mm. if I, even if I made the drive, I would go to Nashville first and spend the night. And it was, I want to say around 13 hours from there. So Interesting. yeah, I, I didn't want any, I didn't want any, any of that. I, I don't blame you. Don't blame you. Uh, also here, Ethan Stone of the UT Daily Beacon. Ethan, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, I'm I'm just annoyed that we're not getting the balls till Sunday afternoon on Father's Day. It's because it's a lot going on on Sunday. I mean, we got the Hawks tonight, thankfully. But uh, yeah, just uh, I'm ready to see what happens here. I'm ready to get a, get into this College World Series. It's been a long time, and I'm excited to see what all happens. Um, Ryan. Last weekend, it feels like forever ago now, the Tennessee Volunteers dismantled the LSU Tigers in two games. Uh, how did the Vols power through LSU to get to the College World Series? Well, it kind of did it in two different ways, and it showed a lot about what we already knew about this team, kind of the versatility of it. You have the first game on, on Saturday night, and the, you had the downpour pretty early in the game, the rain delay, Tennessee falls behind early, and then... Just with good pitching and uh, kind of no big hits, no home runs, just some good situational baseball. Tennessee finds a, a way to squeak off enough runs to get a lead, and Chad Dallas was great. Tennessee starter through six innings, quartered a career-high 12 strikeouts, just giving up two runs. Only one of them was earned. And then Sean Hundley kind of did what he's done all year, and that's come in and locked the door. And uh, seventh and eighth inning, he did it pretty easily. And then the ninth, he ran into a little bit of trouble, the tying run reached second base and he got a, a big strikeout to get after it and then you kind of saw the effects of LSU playing a lot of baseball last weekend and kind of having to go full out even the last few weeks of the regular season just to make the NCAA tournament Landon Marceau on Sunday their ace kind of runs out of gas he'd thrown a lot of innings over the past month he was only able to give LSU three innings and then you saw Tennessee kind of take advantage of uh, LSU bullpen doesn't have a, a ton of depth and Tennessee hit six home runs, sets their new NCAA tournament record in that game. And on a day that the ball was flying out easily of Lindsey Nelson Stadium, 10 total homers, Tennessee's offense kind of won the day. And look, I think there's been a lot of talk this week about how Tennessee plays in a park that's bigger. They're a team that hits a lot of home runs. But I think it plays well to Tennessee because Tennessee's pitchers throw strikes and their weakness, if they have one, is they give up a lot of home runs. Tennessee's hitting, people forget about it, but the first six, eight weeks of the season. Tennessee didn't hit a whole lot of home runs. They were very gritty. We're going to wear pitchers down, make them throw a lot of pitches, competitive at bats, and I think you'll see that uh, pay off this weekend at a bigger ballpark, a Tennessee team that can score in different ways. Ethan, when uh, you watched the series last week, was there anything that stood out to you that concerned you about uh, their matchup with Virginia on Sunday? Yeah, so 
it was kind of a game, um, a tale of two different games. And, you know, I realized it was a rain delay in game one, obviously, but there's some, I feel like there's some consistency issues with, um, with Tennessee's hitting, obviously that, you know, game two, they kind of blew that, uh, theory out of the water, but it's just one thing to, to look at when Virginia's got a, um, good pitching crew coming in. Will Tennessee be able to put up the performance that they did against a tired LSU team? Um, you know, apart from game one against Hillard, ten- Tennessee was pretty much able to capitalize wherever they felt fit. Will they be able to do that on Sunday is the question for me. Yeah, I I saw on NCAA.com, they were highlighting for each team in the College World Series uh, the most underrated player going into the series. And for Tennessee, they had Drew Gilbert. Would you agree that Drew Gilbert just getting hot the last few weeks is the is the guy that we need to keep our eye on heading into the Virginia game, Ethan? Of course. I mean, you know, it's it's, you can argue that Tennessee would not be in the position they're in right now without Gilbert. I mean, you lose game one uh, first day against Wright State, and we're looking at a completely different path. We're going to be more tired coming into this uh, series against LSU. So obviously he's an important hitter for us. And, you know, like you said, he's he's a guy that can really get our offense going. So it's going to be interesting to see where uh, where he's going to come in in that front. Ryan, who do you have as the the biggest X factor that people are not talking about in the Virginia game on Sunday? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I'm not sure if there's exactly one one player or one thing. Maybe on Tennessee's offense, yeah, I really if you're going to say X factor, I think the two guys, Drew Gilbert and and Evan Russell, because they're two guys that kind of, well, a lot of power hitters on Tennessee's team hit for average well. They don't just solely rely on power. Those are two guys that have been pretty dependent on it, especially as of late for Gilbert. I mean, he's been good in the NCAA tournament, but it's been a lot of extra base hits in the long ball. In the bigger ballpark, how much production can they give Tennessee? It's kind of to Ethan's point. And, you know, they're, they're sitting four and five in the order, and Tennessee hasn't ordered, I think, you could really mix it up, and it's going to have similar results. One through nine, it's really good. But those are two guys that have maybe struggled or been a little bit less consistent than some other guys in the lineup. And the fact that they're sitting there in the four and five spot, I think, makes their production really important. And I think it'll be interesting to see how they translate to TD Ameritrade. I uh, did y'all see Arizona? Their entire lineup will not feature anyone who's batting below three hundred. I did not see that stat. I know or know Arizona has a really good offense and watched a lot of that series with Ole Miss, and obviously they, they put it on them in both the games that they won. But, I mean, that's pretty incredible. 300, all one through nine. That's that's just bonkers, bonkers. Um, Ryan, Malachi Weidman, uh, out of the out of the Tennessee Volunteers program, what can you tell us about what, uh, what happened there? Yeah, it was, you know, kind of a strange situation, and, I think I talked about it maybe in the podcast we were talking about receivers when I was headed to Indianapolis for the NCAA tournament, actually. could be wrong, but that, that may have been running backs. But he was a guy I thought with a new system, fresh start, would really it would really pay dividends for him because the talent is pretty obvious. But, you know, it, it seemed like he never really meshed too much with new staff. He was very low down the depth chart. I mean, we saw that on the, the opening pra- or the open practices as well as the Orange and White game. He certainly was not in, in the top couple groups, so – it never seemed like a great fit and certainly a big disappointment for Tennessee. I, you know, they've addressed some of the receiver needs going out and getting a Javante Payton. And that showed, I think, to a degree, maybe their confidence level in Whiteman. But 
uh, certainly a guy when he came in, you thought was a real home run hit that Jeremy Pruitt picked up over, I think, Ole Miss and Florida State were his other top schools. But uh, a disappointing uh, short career for Weidman at Knoxville and um, certainly a missed opportunity, but I also don't think it's necessarily shocking. It seemed to be trending that he was lower uh, on the pecking order in the spring. A thin wide receiver room gets thinner. Uh, Ethan, do you see anyone stepping up into Weidman's role? on this roster, or do you think they have to go to the portal? I think it would be a good idea to go to the portal, just me personally. Um, Javante Payton kind of comes to mind yeah. just immediately as a guy uh, as a guy that could, you know, fill in that role. But, you know, I'm, I'm actually going to go against Ryan here. I was kind of shocked, to be honest with you, just, just mostly because I hadn't really heard his name too much. I guess I hadn't exactly forgotten about him, but that's not exactly what I was expecting to see when I woke up that morning. You know, he had just that one catch last year, but what really caught me was just his freakish athleticism. You know, it's always a good idea to have one of those dudes around. And, you know, I'm not sure we have a dude that can really come in and, uh, you know, fill that role. I'm not sure how much Wyman was really going to, you know, play in Heupel's offense regardless. But, you know, I, I think Peyton's a guy that could that could replace that, uh, you know, what, what he was going to bring to the table. I want Demetrius Robertson. Like, that dude is just a track athlete and just the kind of stuff that they want. I, I don't know where he's going to go with the portal, but um, that would be nice. I, I think Heupel, we're going to see in the next couple of weeks that they're going to bring in someone from the portal. They're going to bring in another receiver, at least one. I would even probably say one or two, probably two, would be my guess. Um, the ball's got a big commitment at the running back spot um, a few days ago. Dylan Sampson. Ethan, what do, you, what do you make of Dylan Sampson out of the backfield as a dual threat uh, guy in this Heupel system. Yeah, so obviously Heupel has put an emphasis on speed for his skill players, and Samson definitely fits that mold. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of a Tariq Cohen in the NFL, maybe a slightly quicker John Kelly for a UT comparison. Just a tough scat back type of player that would surprise you how powerful he is when he's only you know five ten, one eighty pounds. But you know, to the best of my knowledge, he committed after an official visit. And yeah, he had a really like good immediate. interview with Volquest that I. Yeah, he, he had a really good interview with VolQuest that I watched, and he stood out as really impressive as, you know, good head on his shoulders and a winning mentality. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Ryan, what do you think about Samson? Yeah, I think Ethan hit a lot of nails on the head. I mean, that's something that stood out to me. Is obviously he has the track speed, really good athlete, but despite the small size, he's he's got a little bit of stocky build to him, and I'll be interested to see how, how that translates. And I think it's a solid get. I mean, the – you weren't being out at the big schools in the SEC for him. I think he'd taken a Louisville visit and had visits planned to Vanderbilt and Purdue. And obviously, uh, Heupel and his staff made an instant impact with him and connected. And it's a, a solid get. And look, it's all about speed. I mean, I think that's why Robinson from Georgia makes a lot of sense for Tennessee. Chase, you mentioned it. That's something that is really the emphasis, or one of the emphasis, especially a wide receiver in Heupel's offense, but definitely running back as well. And Jalen Wright's kind of a guy that's in that mold, is more of a speed back, but uh, not quite to the style that he is. So I think it's definitely a good gift for Tennessee. Yeah, I think Jerry Mack's going to be good um, recruiting running backs. I think he has an idea in mind, and I think uh, it's going to be fine. But I just think it's going to take time because this running back room right now is it's not great. Um, something that I thought was super interesting out of 247, <clears throat> Joe Milton, now the favorite to win the quarterback job this summer um what did you what did you make of this piece ryan 
Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I guess I wasn't shocked by it, just because from a talent standpoint, look, it was you go out and get a transfer quarterback after granted Heifel didn't bring uh, Hooker in, Pruitt did, but you have a transfer quarterback already in, you have three guys you're going through spring with, and then to bring in another transfer quarterback, I think that was kind of a clear point that there wasn't a, a ton of confidence in the guys that they had, not that they couldn't succeed with them. So Milton comes in, I think right away, you have to think he's one of the favorites, if, if not the favorite. And look, what he does well, what he impresses with is the measurables, with the arm talent. So when you're out there in the summer, you're throwing routes on air, you're throwing seven on seven, I think that's where Joe Milton's going to shine. So I think it only naturally makes sense for him to look like the leader right now or the favorite. My question is, what does he, what does he look like when you get into 11-on-11, full pads in August? Because, I mean, I'm not trying to dog on Milton by any means, but his decision-making was not great at Michigan last year, and his ability to progress and read defenses I think are certainly where the question marks are with him. So while I'm not surprised that you know he's kind of considered the leader right now, I think that only makes sense with where the other three quarterbacks were at and, and his natural talent, I think, when the – really get serious when I really maybe get more excited about it is what are the reports on him in fall camp? Is he adjusting to the offense well? Is he making good reads? Is he able to capitalize on, on a Tennessee defense in a practice that shouldn't be too great? So I think it's a positive sign, but kind of hesitant, I guess, to go all in on it. Yeah, I um, I didn't realize that Harbaugh was telling people that he was the future number one overall pick when they brought him to Michigan. Like, that is some serious high praise. Um and just that the hype is. surrounding him um, is just kind of wild. And the gun, like the arm, I forgot who talked about his arm talent. Uh, do y'all remember from the piece? I'm blanking on who they were saying. Like his arm strength and arm talent is just pretty, pretty bonkers. Oh, maybe it was Urban Meyer who was the one who said something about Milton's arm talent. Um, Ethan, would it shock you if Joe Milton is under center first as the first team quarterback uh, against Bowling Green? It wouldn't shock me. I mean, this isn't exactly a hot take, but since he announced he was transferring, I've always thought it was a two-way battle between him and Hooker. Um, oh, him it's and worth Hooker noting, not like Ryan said, I think so. I think so. I think Hooker runs the offense, but just I mean, obviously, I'm I'm basing this off the orange and white game. I feel mm-hmm. Hooker did the best. I feel like he has the most potential under Heupel's offense, and I think it's worth noting, like Ryan said. You know, Milton is Heupel's transfer. Um, mm. He's the guy that that he went out there to look for, and obviously if he's looking for someone, that means that he doesn't have a whole lot of confidence in um, in the current quarterback room. So, no, it wouldn't shock me at all if Milton is the guy. Do I think Milton is going to be the guy the entire season? Do I think he's going to start and stay there? No way. I think, I think there's going to be some moving around. I think, you know, Hooker might start. Who knows? Bailey might start, and Milton might come in second. There's There's – so many question marks for me just you know as to per- pertaining to who is going to be the quarterback for uh, the long-term future at UT I'm fascinated now like I I'm, I'm in because I <laughs> I thought it was going to be Bailey like I was leaning towards like he's all, I think part of it with Bailey is that I'm I think he thinks he's going to be the guy like when you watch uh, the Tennessee ball like videos and when he's with my teammates, with my, my team, the way he talks about it is just that like he carries uh-huh. himself as the starting quarterback. Harrison Bailey carries himself like it, right? 
Ryan, what do you think about that? I don't know. Me personally, me personally, I've always thought it was between Hooker just because of how he runs the offense. But you know, I could I could be wrong on that. The problem with Hooker is he just has no downfield ability, like at all. Like he is just not a downfield quarterback, and they want to run the Baylor raid. Like I don't understand how this works. Like I don't understand how you have track guys that you're going to try and do 25 yards downfield like a bunch, and you have Hendon Hooker in there. I think maybe Hendon Hooker goes in for packages, but like. I don't see how he fits with what Heupel's trying to do to stay in games and score a lot of points. Hmm. Well, I'm I'm completely with there with you there, Chase, because I I really think it's a three way race. But Hooker, I think, is the safe option. I think he behind what's going to be maybe not the most stable offensive line gives you a dual threat guy. And look, that doesn't show up in practice. That doesn't show up in the spring game because you can't get hit. So I think he is kind of working from a little bit of a disadvantage point there. Bailey. He was really good in the spring game. He certainly throws a better downfield ball than Hooker does, but I don't think he throws a great downfield ball. And he was consistently running with the twos and the really more to threes. And at least in the open practice, spring game, he mixed it around. But he was no doubt the guy running with the third team in the, in the open practice they had in the spring. So it, I'd never have gotten the feel that like he was their guy by any means. or But he definitely carries himself like – to your point, he definitely carries himself like he's going to be the starter, and he kind of—I mean, so does Mauer, but Bailey does it more in like a humble way, where you can, yeah. you know, you, it feels like he's working very hard, where Mauer is kind of a little more just popping off on social media. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, like like this. If you believe that I should be the starting quarterback for Tennessee this fall, um, last thing as we prepare for this fall's weekend in Omaha. Um, the quarterbacks or cornerback situation on the Tennessee Volunteers. Ethan, what do you make of the veteran heavy cornerback options heading into this fall? Yeah, so we got veterans, but you know it's it's always a problem replacing veterans as well. Even more so when introducing a new coaching staff that you know is going to have to replace a significant amount of production. I think I think Taylor is going to be solid. I think Alante Taylor is going to be solid this year. Um, Warren Burrell is kind of a question mark to me. Can he take that next step to, uh, to you know, get some more playmaking ability? I think. Um, I, I think. I think the corners, just in general, I think they're going to be solid. I think that we have a lot of guys that can get the job done. Um, I'm just uncertain whether or not playmaking, like legitimate change of game playmaking, will be a threat from the from the uh, cornerback position. Hmm. Ryan, what do you think about it? Are, are you concerned? Because I, I just. Veterans is just like one of those things where people hear the word veteran and they're like, oh, good. We got a veteran. It's like, well, no, veteran doesn't mean good. Like, it's just older. Like, this, the Tennessee cornerback situation is just older. But I still think it's bad. What do you think? I think it's – I think the starting situation is solid. I mean, it's not great by any means. And, look, I mean, it's probably not going to be much on Tennessee's defense that's going to be great. I think it's better off than the linebacker situation. I think Alante Taylor kind of is who he is. He's – solid he's going to have some games where you're like whoa that's the dude that's going to get drafted in the first day at the NFL draft and he also has some moments where you're like what I mean what is this guy doing but he's not a star by any means but I think he's solid I think Ethan is exactly right that Warren Burrell is the big question mark he played early in 2019 his freshman year wasn't very good kind of was making an impact towards the end of last year and I thought he was really solid and he played a lot in his last three or four games and you have another guy like Kenneth George who kind of that veteran mold. He's not great. I don't think he's going to be a stud or anything, but he's 
showed he can play is it's pretty solid, especially in 2019. I thought he had a better year in 2019 and was really, really strong in that second half of that season. Granted, Tennessee didn't play a whole lot of good quarterbacks, but from there, you know, what, where's the depth? Nico Slaughter's a guy that you would think would factor somewhere, but just a lot of question marks. And that's where it's going to be a lot in the defense. I think they may be able to piece it together and have a decent first 11, but a full 22 on the defensive side is going to get really rough. And uh, I think cornerback is no different than that. And who plays the star? I think that's a question mark. They may not even be called star anymore. And uh, the new defense and Tim Banks defense may just got to go back to calling it nickelback. But I think there's certainly question marks there. But I think you have a lot of not great veterans. I agree with your point, Chase. They're not guys you need. There's less question marks there maybe than some parts in Tennessee's defense. Yeah. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. I just think this defense is just getting torched. Like, it's hard for me to get really invested. I actually think the defensive line is going to be a little bit better than people think. I like the the Kansas transfer. I like uh, I like what they're doing there a little bit. I think the there's some five-star buzz still leftovers of some untapped potential. I, and I also just believe in Rodney Gardner. I think he's going to get more out of this defensive yeah. line than people are expecting. The linebacker situation, I just uh, poured poor Marie. like it's just it's just gonna be bad i don't see a way around that and i don't i don't see a way around that um predictions for this weekend before we record uh next week ethan what do you what do you think happens against virginia on sunday we're so hot right now i mean not we sorry he is so hot right now well, I, i'm, I I'm really hot it's like nine degrees in knoxville today like it, i'm about to go on my run <laughs> like, it's gonna be hot now i think yeah, we are hot too of course, yeah, exactly. It's it's warm here in Knoxville, but you know, UT's UT's going to get the job done. I think um, after that, you know, who knows? Texas is really good, has a really good team, um, but I, I I don't think Virginia provides anything that UT hasn't seen yet. Ryan, what do you think? I agree with that. I mean, it's the tournament's such a crapshoot, and Texas is really really good. I mean, you wonder what they can look like in a consistent you know they haven't been in the pressure cooker that the sec is but they've been good i mean they lost one series uh all of big 12 play and that was to texas tech they beat tcu who was another top 10 team virginia i mean again everyone's good at this point so i'm not trying to say that that they're not good but i think tennessee has the best first round draw of anybody in the pool in my opinion so i think tennessee is going to have a really good chance to, to make a deep run and i definitely think they make it kind of to the final four group and from there i mean who knows what happens the one thing i just go back to is in a bigger park with tennessee's pitching staff i think you have to have a lot of confidence i mean that group was really 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 good in the sec tournament you kind of saw them run out of arms in the championship game against arkansas and there is still some concerns about the depth but they really haven't had to tax their bullpen hunley walsh well they haven't had to tax those guys a ton so i think you're going to see tennessee kind of push those guys really hard ride those arms you got more time in between games you're going to be able to do that a little bit more i think tennessee's pitching is going to put itself in a, just a great chance to make a, a really deep run and like i said every team's good it's a crapshoot at this point but i think you have to feel confident where tennessee's at i agree i agree all right well what can we check out from you across the internet this week ethan we uh we're going to have some coverage this week of, of uh, obviously, Tennessee baseball. Otherwise, it's, it's pretty slow, man. It's the slow period of summer, but, you know, Atlanta, I don't know if you guys are new or not, but the yep. Atlanta Hawks. Just waiting, could, just they, waiting. Hey, well, look, the Atlanta Hawks could end this series with uh, 
the Philadelphia 76ers on their march towards the NBA Finals. Uh, I don't see any way around it. The Atlanta Hawks on their way. The the King in the North going to finish it off down in Atlanta. Trey Young this this weekend, tonight, actually. So that's going to be fun. So not dead everywhere. The Braves apparently are dead. Yeah. Uh, I think the Braves are dead, so I can just go ahead and start tuning that one out because I can't handle much more of this four games below 500 baseball. But that is neither here nor there. Ryan, what can we that- check out from you? <laughs> much the same. We'll have baseball coverage that ball quest i'll have a a preview uh saturday kind of breaking down all four teams on tennessee side everything you need to know about them ben mckee will have some stuff more from the tennessee side of it and then we'll do a a dire diamond vols podcast so you can check that out we'll be previewing everything and i'll be uh i'll be in omaha as long as tennessee is and providing a lot of coverage there so make sure to stay tuned to ballquest.com all right go do that guys Stay safe out there and enjoy the weekend. Hopefully the balls come through. Uh, We'll be back next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.